Welcome to Scoop with Steve Football. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scuba Steve Football. This is the latest episode in our weekly podcast, breaking down the Green Bay Packers, who are coming off, I mean, quite the victory against the Cincinnati Bengals after uh, five straight missed field goals and an interception thrown in there on six drives before Mason Crosby finally hits the winner in uh, overtime. So uh, qu- quite the uh, comedy of errors to end the game, and uh, now the uh, Packers, uh, still leading the NFC North, will face the division rival Chicago Bears in the coming week. I'm Steve Clinton. I'm the creator of Ski Steve Football. I'm a former uh, quality control assistant coach at uh, Northwestern University and the University of Toledo. I also hold an MS in predictive analytics from Northwestern University. And I studied the NFL from a perspective that combines analytics and film breakdown. I'm joined uh, by my usual co-host, my brother John. Our father grew up in Wisconsin and attended Madison. So we grew up as Badgers and Packers fans. And this show is our chance to discuss Green Bay's upcoming matchup based on my film breakdown of the Packers and the Bears. I'll also discuss the state of the NFC North before we wrap things up, so stick around for that. How are you doing this week, John? Oh uh, man, pretty uh, pretty excited. Coming off a win, as always. I mean, we reeled off four straight, so got to be excited about it. It was one of the more bizarre games I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, just so many missed field goals, not just by one kicker, but by both. It was it was something else. It was, it was definitely a bit of a roller coaster. And I, I feel like the Packers kind of left um, some on the field, maybe not being super aggressive offensively or just not capitalizing on some big plays um, that got us down near the red zone. But at this point, with how many injuries we have and everything, I'm just happy that we're coming out with wins. I mean, I feel like we're kind of in survival mode right now. Anytime we can scrape out a win, it's really exciting. And in particular, this week, it, it felt like the uh, the front seven for the Packers looked pretty good. I know the Bengals may not have had the, the best offensive line, but uh, they, they did a pretty good job. And I know Chicago's offensive line isn't known as a you know super impressive group either so how do you uh, how do you feel the packs front seven will be able to do against Chicago's line this coming week yeah so it's going to be a really different game in the upcoming weekend so you, you mentioned uh, you know Cincinnati definitely not the best offensive line but I would say that all five of their starters are playing at you know a reasonable level like they're adequate right they, they don't have any superstars on that line but they've been doing okay right uh, over in Chicago it, it has not been as pretty at times um you know but Jason Peters is starting at left tackle. He's you know on his less his last legs. Uh, you've got German Affetti over at right tackle, who they signed from the Seahawks to play guard originally. He's been having to man the tackle position. Both of them really struggled against Yannick Ngakwe and um, and Max Crosby in this most recent week's game. But before I get get into those specific matchups, I want to mention that against the Bengals, you saw the Packers against you know Joe Burrow. Uh, at quarterback and you know a lot of 11 personnel with T Higgins Tyler Boyd and of course Jamar Chase who had a brilliant game yeah. um you know some CJ Uzuma you know a lot of one back sets though uh what you're going to see a lot a very different offense against the Chicago Bears so with them uh the Bears have been running a lot of uh you know two tight end personnel uh three tight end personnel at times and uh throwing out a sixth offensive lineman at times uh it's been a really different look on offense since offensive coordinator Bill Lazor took over a week ago so one big difference this week is that the defensive front might be the full base front rather than a nickel front which is what you predominantly saw against the Bengals so it is going to be a shift in that regard but okay yeah so definitely a different setup on and yeah getting into some individual players I thought that you know Preston Smith continues to play well um you know he and Rashawn Gary I thought on the respective tackles Riley Reef and uh 
Um, oh, geez, uh, jo uh, Jonah Williams for the Bengals. I thought uh, Smith and Gary both made plays on them at times throughout the game. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny Clark continues to have a strong year. I thought that uh, you know that quarterback sneak early in the game where Burrow tried to go for it on third and one. I thought Kenny Clark. You just saw really quick, powerful hands into Trey Hopkins, the Bengals center's chest, and that was a, a key factor in them being able to get that stop there. And uh, you know, Devondre Campbell just continues to play well. Yeah, he's he's been incredible, man. It, it, I mean. Like Rodgers, you know, uh, said that he said to a teammate or a coach or whoever it was, like, how the hell is this guy on the street when you see the what he's done for us? And, and what I mean, just signing him as a free agent, it's not like we were in a bidding war with other teams. I mean, what a blessing for us at a position that we've really struggled to find a great player at for I mean, since I can remember, really, maybe since Nick Barnett, A.J. Hawk days. Yeah, and, you know, Campbell's just such a different cat, too. You know, what stood out to me this week was, you know, just how big he is when he comes up to the line to stuff. Right, so he's kind of like a, a Donta Hightower in that regard, where he's playing off the ball linebacker. But you know, say you're in a short yardage situation, like a third and one or something like that, and you want your linebacker to walk up over the center, like, and, and just be right on the line of scrimmage, so that you're not giving up any ground. We're uh -huh. just going to go head to head right here. You know, a lot of inside linebackers, especially in the shift to the modern game, where you have a lot of these guys who run, you know, four fours, but they're 240 pounds. Mm -hmm. Well, Campbell can come up; he's 260 to go over the guy. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one more thing you can do with him. He, he's a really unique player. But, you know, speaking of unique players, though, I wanted to talk about one more player in the Packers front before we move forward who I think could be very important in this game, and that's TJ Slade in the fifth round pick out of the University of Florida. Uh, you know, we've discussed on this podcast before that they really don't have a big-bodied presence up there, and I notice all of a sudden this number uh, number 93, right, um, who's out there, and, uh, you know, he... Um, looks looks pretty big on film look at look him up in the press uh, guide and he runs six four three thirty, which you know you could tell as, as soon as you see him out there obviously you know he's a massive human being yeah yeah so you know I, where i noticed him was they got a stop on a run where kenny clark was actually lined up further down as an end and he beat a scoop block from i believe a tackle and i was wondering why he was lined up so far out and then i look on the inside and sladen's lined up on the inside with dean lowry in in this particular situation so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how Slayton plays moving forward. Now, he's, he didn't play a ton of snaps or anything like that, but you just saw that really big body. And in this matchup against the Bears, where they're trying to bring out these big tight end sets, they had both of their runners. Um, they had Damian Williams available and then Khalil Herbert, the rookie. And both of those guys, I believe, uh, Damian ran it 18 times and Khalil Herbert ran it 16 times. They had a very run-heavy approach, once again, even with David Montgomery out. So TJ Slayton's presence as, as a physical uh, player on the interior could be big in this one. Yeah, that's really exciting to hear. Obviously, I was aware the pack drafted him, but I didn't realize that he had uh, gotten snaps in that game. And I know, you know, he's a big, big guy. And like we had mentioned on earlier podcasts, I mean, you know, having a guy like Snacks Harrison at the end of last season, it's not like he shows up a lot on the stat sheet, but when, guy, when they're going heavy, we just need some big bodies in there to help Kenny Clark out because as amazing as he is as a D tackle, it's not like he's some massive guy. Yeah. So having some, a little bit of extra bulk in there, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that, you know, you go back to, I don't know if you heard Brandon Staley, the Los Angeles Chargers uh, head coach, his comments on the run game in general and the physicality of football and everything like that. Mm. Anybody out there who hasn't heard it, I, I recommend looking it up and listening to what Staley had to say on the run game because I thought it was very insightful in this age where analytics is going to indicate that you want to win by passing it. But, you know, we've discussed on the podcast before, you know, 
in, if you're an MMA fighter, yeah, your head kicks are your most efficient attacks. But if you take out the jab, that takes out the this physicality and this rhythm and, and kind of what allows, you know, it's just this inherent part of the game. And, you know, football's just a physical game. And I think TJ Sladen's going to help the Packers stand up to teams that want to try to come bully them. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works out against the Bears this week. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I'll have to check that out. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you definitely need guys who can who can handle the run game and be able to run it. But like you said, uh, passing is a huge deal in the NFL these days, obviously. Um, you know, Justin Fields, it's not like he's been putting up massive numbers, but the guy has a lot of talent, um, did great things at Ohio State, and seems to be kind of progressing. Um, so in regards to our corners this week, Kevin King, he didn't practice today. He's, you know, big surprise, uh, not totally healthy, got a little banged up in last week's game. And... Uh, with Jair Alexander already out, um, when Kevin King went down, I think throughout the game, some of the other guys, um, like Yadam, some uh, some of these guys, obviously we have Shannon Sullivan, um, seems like it's going to be kind of a collective group effort along with, obviously, it's really exciting the way Eric Stokes is playing. Um, so what did you see with the corners this past week? And if Kevin King isn't available. Uh, how do you think we're looking moving forward into this game against the Bears? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, matchup with the Bears here because, you know, this p- past week we saw Eric Stokes follow Jamar Chase, right? And, you yeah. know, I, I thought that Stokes was competitive against Chase. I mean, at the end of the day, he, he got worked over pretty good. Uh, I mean, Chase is a phenomenal player. Um, yeah. And, and the big the big play on the touchdown was not on Stokes on on that particular snap. Uh Chase got matched on on Darnell Savage, and the Packers were playing cover six, which is cover two to one side of the field and cover four to the other side of the field. And Savage was playing the half field side, and he got left one-on-one with Jamar Chase. And there's no safety to the other side of the field because Amos is man-to-man with the number two on the other side of the field. So when Burrow held onto the ball for that long, there's just open space over there and nobody to help. So, you know, that that one wasn't on um, Stokes, but, you know, Chase did beat him a number of times. But, you know, so we saw him follow him, and I was thinking that if they had Kevin King available, you might have Kevin King actually match up to Allen Robinson and maybe give him some help so that Eric Stokes can follow Darnell Mooney, who's the speed threat for the Bears, just so that you're not wasting Eric Stokes' speed on Allen Robinson, who's more of a big-bodied possession-type receiver. Uh, But without uh, King available, yeah, it looks like it would be Yadam stepping in there. We also saw Shamar Jean Charles, the rookie, in for just that one snap where uh, Joe Mixon had the nice cut inside him to score the touchdown, and then you saw Yadam back out there. Uh, Yadam didn't get a ton of work in this game. Uh, he did allow a couple uh, passes to be completed in front of him to T. Higgins, uh, as did Kevin King when he was matched up on Higgins throughout this game. But really, we didn't get to see a whole lot of them, or Chandon Sullivan in the slot, really, because Burrow was so locked in with Jamar Chase throughout this pass game that that was really where the ball was going. Now, tr- just, you know, no watching the game again, I w- had my eyes pretty close on Yadam in in the set after um King had gone down just to try to get a feel for how he's moving and everything and I do think that like with the Giants last year he's he doesn't look like a guy who's about to get torched consistently now yeah. whether or not he's going to make plays on the ball and break quickly enough to actually break up passes and that sort of thing I think that's a big question I think that's why he was traded from the Giants to the Packers and the Giants elected to upgrade and, and go get a Dory Jackson to be their second cornerback but you know Yadam's played a lot of football in the past year and I think that he can be out there and be competitive against the Chicago Bears offense that's really focused on uh, on running the ball at this point and you know they're doing some things with fields in the passing game and he certainly has a lot of uh, arm talent throwing the ball downfield 
but uh, at this point, the Chicago passing game is not particularly advanced. It should be noted, you know, in their win over the Raiders, their first touchdown drive, I mean, Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby took just kind of a crazy number of roughing the passer calls in this game. And, you know, you can get into a whole discussion about what's been going on with the Raiders and, you know, given John Gruden's views that have now become public, what, you know, makes some sense why they're consistently among the league leaders in personal fouls and, and penalties of that nature, given his views on how the game should be played. But, right. you know, like in this past game, though, you know, Fields started off that first touchdown drive by he went to throw the ball away and he threw it backwards. So he, he threw it behind him, and it was ruled a fumble. They lost seven yards because he threw the ball out. So, you know, and then Crosby came through and had a roughing the passer to give them the first down back. And then later Oof, on the drive, Yannick yeah. took another roughing the passer. So, you know, it, it's not as if the Chicago offense got out there and was humming and moving the ball easily against the Raiders. Like, throughout that whole game, it, it was constantly, it was like it was a prerequisite that the defense take a 50, at least one 15-yard penalty if the offense was going to score on a drive in that Raiders-Bears game. So, uh, wow, you, so a lot of beating themselves, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, You know, I, I think that it's a good week for the Packers to have, you know, some questions behind Stokes at, at cornerback. And, you know, Chandon Sullivan continued to play in the slot. But as I mentioned, I think that the Packers are going to see a lot more opportunities to play their base package, which may mean that, you know, we get to see more Jalen Smith's debut probably next to Devondra Campbell and also get to see, you know, some more of, uh, you know, Chris Barnes perhaps who, you know, had a really good play on, on that pressure exchange they ran early in the game where he ran past the left guard Quinn in Spain, hits Joe Burrow. That was awesome. Yeah. He just dra grabbed the jersey on the sleeve and just like, it wasn't even like close to a horse collar. He just straight up had a fistful, like... Uh, lower shoulder pad and just dragged him down. That was, I just yeah. visually, that was a sweet looking tackle. It was. So I think that it is a matchup against the Bears here where you're going to see more of those second inside linebackers in the base package than, than some of the question marks we have at corner with Chandon Sullivan set to start in the slot and Isaac Yadam set to start outside. I think that there's going to be future weeks where if this is the lineup, uh, we're going to have a lot bigger questions about who's playing corner for Green Bay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got... Chiefs, Cardinals, some of those teams down the road where that'd be a little more concerning. A uh, quick question I forgot to ask about: uh, the Packers last night signed uh, Quentin Dunbar, uh, like yeah. a veteran quarterback. That's that's just sort of like a reserve, fill out the roster while while Jerry well, on IR. He's not someone yeah. we should necessarily see or. Hope we don't see. I don't uh, really we know. Should really I know hope, I, I we should hope not to see him. So real quick, Quinn and Dunbar, uh, two seasons ago, uh, he was playing uh, right cornerback for the Washington football team, which wasn't the Washington football team then. Mm -hmm. He had a really good season at right cornerback. Then he was involved with DeAndre Baker in the offseason robbery deal. Oh, and then he, was, he, he had just been nice. traded out to okay. Seattle. And at the <laughs> time, it looked like Seattle had just acquired a really good cornerback to play across from Shaquille Griffin in the secondary. Um, and, and obviously, and Dunbar, Dunbar came out last year, and he was absolutely horrendous. Oh, I mean, it, it, you know, I don't know how that all the off-the-field stuff affected his training, but it looked like he hadn't been training. Uh, he lost his job within a number of weeks. Um, they, they were really counting on him. And then he was with the Lions in training camp, got cut. So, he, I mean, that is a last chance you right there. So, uh, hopefully, he is not going on the field. Okay, gotcha. I recognize the name, so I wasn't. I assumed I recognized his name because he was just kind of better, a veteran guy. Yeah. But now I realize it's because of the off the off the field story. Yeah. That I heard yeah, about. yeah. That that was not great, but yeah. I mean, the, the positive you can say about him is that in 2019, he I thought he was a, an above average cornerback playing on the outside. So. Well, maybe he'll get maybe he'll get it together. Yeah. Um, but in regards to uh, 
Corners, switching to the other side of the ball. Uh, Devontae Adams, man. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of corners in the game who can who can handle him or double coverage. Or It's just, it's really remarkable um, how everyone knows that we're going to be looking for him. I mean, Rodgers is looking for him constantly. And teams seem to try all sorts of different stuff. How is he able to be so successful? I mean, he had over 200 yards, I think, for the first time in his career this game. In a game where, you know... MVS is out. He'd been sort of the number two option. Randall Cobb has made some really big plays in the last couple of weeks, which is exciting, but it's not he's like he's necessarily a high-volume guy. It's been more clutch third-down situations. And, I mean, you know, I think the guy with the, the um, second-to-Adams interceptions must have been A.J. Dillon for this game. It's just remarkable I, I, I was how he's able say, to produce like this. Like, how's he yeah. able to keep this going? Yeah, I was going to say real quick, over the past couple of weeks, they've kind of gotten back to the formula they used the past two years where it's Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Well, now Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who really are the two other guys getting volume work behind Devontae Adams, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we did see the Pittsburgh Steelers do a good job of li- limiting Devontae Adams. And what they had to do to do that was sacrifice their free safety and coverage. Okay. And, and yeah. actually double, like... They actually double teamed Devontae Adams, right? Which is a very rare thing in the in the NFL. Um, there there are times where you have you know combo coverages in zone where there are two defenders with eyes on one guy. I mean, there's times that you might have a helper, but it's pretty rare that you have one guy locked up on him and then a second guy who is just accounting for him. Right? Yeah. And once that happens, you saw what happened in, in that Steelers game. Aaron Rodgers is going to go to somebody else at that point. Yeah. You're going to have open opportunities to Robert Tanyan and Randall Cobb in that game coming up with big plays. So, you know, this week against the Bengals, you know, one, one thing that really comes up is that unless you're willing to double Devontae like that, he has so many different ways that he can beat you, right? He can line up outside. He can line up inside. He can run every route in the book. So, you know, throughout this game, you see Rodgers make plays to him in scramble mode. You see Rodgers, you know, and one huge thing I should bring up is that Adams is a very savvy route runner. Uh, against zone coverage, and then he's also just an explosive, uh, you know, elusive route runner against man coverage. So, regardless of what you play as a defense, excuse me, <clears throat> he has a huge advantage over you. So you saw time after time in this game, you know, if the Bengals went cover three, you know, there were multiple times where Adams worked open on a dig route in the middle of the field, and Rodgers fitted into him. When they went with man coverage, you know, he would get the inside and should be a woozier, and then he would, you know, win to the inside. You talk about other things he can do. He catches an end zone fade down at the five yard line, which is a play that you know analytics folks just hate because they say it's so inefficient. But when you've got a quarterback who can drop it in the bucket like that, and a receiver with these types of hands you know there it's really hard not to do that so and then on top of that you know you talk about you know what a diverse route runner he is underneath the fact that he's got spectacular hands then you throw in just you know the combination of route running savvy and explosive ability to get over the top we were talking about during the game on that deep route that he caught that nearly went for a touchdown late you know he throws that little stutter step move as he's going between Shadobi Wuzier and Jesse Bates that allows him to get deep and it's like you know how do you let a guy that runs 4-7 get over the top on you yeah it's like well he throws that little you know stutter step move it really doesn't affect his momentum at all but the court the safety you know, Bates doesn't know where he's going at that point. It looks like he might be breaking down at the top of his route stem, maybe running an out route or a corner route, or he's going to dig to the inside, and then he just goes over the top. I mean, the guy can do it all. He, yeah, it's you really, know, it's, it is really incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess that you could say he doesn't have, like, you know, well, 
I mean, I guess Jonathan Vilma would say that he has ideal size. Uh, as he said, he was six foot five on the broadcast, which is just not accurate. <laughs> not even uh, close. Yeah, so, you know, he doesn't have ideal size. He doesn't have track speed like Tyreek Hill. He doesn't, you know, I guess the guy that you can point to as having the total package right now is Mike Williams for the Chargers. Uh, but, you know, Devontae is just so savvy, and he's just, you know, plays the game at a higher level than any other receiver out there right now. I mean, he just, he does it all, and he's the, the most dominant receiver in the game right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just, man, not to mention, I mean, Packers fan, also have had him on my fantasy team the last couple of years, so. That's a good player. Right huh? there, I mean, it's it's just amazing. He's just so good at so many different things. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, but to uh, get into the trenches in the offensive game, man, it has been, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you feel sort of like the Packers right now. Anytime we can get a win with all the injuries that we've had, you're just grateful, and it's not just on the defensive side with our two best defensive players in Jair and Tadarius, but our offensive line, our two, I mean, we have an all-pro left tackle out in Bakhtiari, and then Jenkins, who is basically played every position on the O-line at, you know, a Pro Bowl level in his first, you know, three years in the league. It's just incredible, and those guys are out, and then we lose our center, Myers, to a finger, which I'm hoping, I assume he'll be back this week. And we still seem to be given, I mean, the run game got started to get stifled a little bit, but Rodgers, it's not like he's been under siege or anything against the Bengals defense. That's that's a good defense. So I guess I have two-part question. Just, I mean, how amazing is it that we've been able to kind of piece this together and make things work? And, and then the second part is I've gone from being sort of in panic mode, particularly before the 49ers game when you have um, Yash Neiman going up against Joey Bosa to wondering is Neiman playing well enough to where he could be a permanent solution at right tackle once Bakhtiari gets back, and then Jenkins and Billy Turner can kick back into guard, and then you have Myers at center. It seems like if we were able to do that, we would not only have a really, really nice, impressive starting five, but we would have unbelievable depth uh, working in the second half of the season. Yeah, well, I think that the uh, there's no question that they've got unbelievable depth at this point. Now, uh, to address Josh Neiman first and whether you'd want to move him over to right tackle, I would say no at this point. Okay. I think that Neiman has played well uh, to this point, but, you know, at the same time, Trey Hendrickson, the Bengals' defensive end, beat him multiple times in this game, mm -hmm. uh, beat him around the, the hoop a couple of times. He had actually gave up the sack that set up uh, the Packers for Aaron Rodgers to hit Randall Cobb on that third and uh, 15 that play amazing. that set up the fourth and one. Um, so Neiman, he's playing well, but he's a young guy who, you know, I think that he, you know, you see you see guys like, uh, there's a guy named Terrence Steele who's the right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys right now, who this past year he got an opportunity to play when Lyle Collins got suspended. He's really coming to his own. He played some in past years, and he'd been okay, but then he really made a big jump this offseason. So I think Josh Neiman's a guy who it's going to be really interesting to see where he goes in a two- to three-year period. Okay. Um, but, you know, he, he's a guy who he's got his first NFL experience under his belt. There are clearly some things he needs to work on. His foot quickness needs to improve. I I felt like he lunged a couple times, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, losing, going out over the top of his belt um, and losing around the hoop on Trey Hendrickson. So he just needs to steady out his feet a little bit. These are things that can be improved, though, and he's got great physical traits. So I think that, you know, down the road, you could maybe see him starting. But Billy Turner has been pretty solid over at right tackle. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, I'll give the Packers credit for that one. I had been pretty critical of them playing him out there the first few times it happened. But obviously, they were seeing something that made them believe that he was going to work through some of those struggles he had against the elite guys with the 
Buccaneers, uh, with the Saints or in the first game of this year. Um, and, and Turner has studied out his game over there at right tackle. And then, you know, the, the other great thing with the Packers is you can ask the question of, you know, do you really need, you know, once Elton Jenkins is back at left guard, like, you know, We'll have competition between John Runyon and Royce Newman and potentially Lucas Patrick for the right guard spot. Yeah. You know, do we really need to move Billy Turner back inside? That's because, true. you yeah. know, they're, they're, there's just a lot of quality players on, on this unit here. And, you know, we'll see if the corner group shake, shakes out to be the same thing. It, it really could. And, and then potentially down the road, you add back a David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and, and a Jair Alexander. And, um, you know, this team would be would be cooking with gas at that point. But, I, I you know, and, and just to speak to what they've been able to do with this offensive line, it's just remarkable. You know, you see there's a number of teams that are completely derailed by their woes on the offensive line right now. Um, the, the the Las Vegas Raiders, I mean, it, it's a complete disaster out there with them having to kick their first-round pick, Alex Leatherwood, into guard. He's not good there either. Um, you know, you look at a team like the Miami Dolphins where their offense looks, you know, to be in complete disarray because their offensive line position, you know, situation is a total disaster. And with them, in, in the past two years, they've missed on a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and another second-round pick at the at offensive tackle. You know, they had to move Austin Jackson in from left tackle to left guard. He sucked there, too. Liam Eichenberg, this year's second-round pick, has played right tackle and left tackle now. He slid over there to replace Jackson. He's terrible. And then Robert Hunt, who they drafted in the second round last year, is no good either. They traded Eric Flowers this offseason, let Ted Karras go back to New England. Those were their two best linemen. So, you know, it's pretty wild when you see some of these teams that just apparently can't identify, you know, good offensive linemen or, you know, aren't doing an effective job of coaching these guys up and, you know, failing with first and second round picks in some of these cases. And then you see the Packers and, you know, they're just humming along with a bunch of mid-round picks and undrafted guys. And, is it, you know, there's a great feature on ESPN about the Packers offensive line coach. I, I'll look up his name real quickly here. But, uh, you know, I think that he deserves a tremendous amount of credit. And, you know, al- along with offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, head coach Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers for, you know, having a, a timing and a rhythm and a tempo to this offense that's going to disrupt a defense's pass rush tempo yeah absolutely it's been it's been very very exciting particularly having a quarterback i mean who knows how long uh rogers will be with the packers if it's this year or whatever but uh when you got an older quarterback like that to have all these young guys be protecting him so he's not getting really beat up obviously these guys are getting beat here and there but Man, it's, it's been pretty impressive overall what they've been able to do. How do you think that they'll do uh, coming up this week? Hopefully we get Jenkins back. Hopefully we get Myers back. Um, it'd be, it, I think that the O-line coach you referenced him just a second. I, I don't know his name either. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was, I, I believe it was Adam Stoutland. Um, but, um, okay, well, he, he was asked about if um, Jenkins is able to go this week. Does he go back to tackle? Sort of what I was asking about, like, is Neiman, is, is Neiman the first guy to come out? Yeah. Or does Jenkins go back in the guard? And, and he didn't answer. He said, we've we've had that d- discussion, but he wouldn't elaborate. So they're playing it close to the best. Either way, regardless of how these things shake out, um, in regards to who plays where, how do you think we'll fare against the Bears defense? I mean, seemingly from a, di- um, you know, a distance, uh, with the way the numbers you see Fields putting up, I know Chicago's running it well, but it seems like their defense must be playing pretty pretty well 
this season for them to have the record they have with how their offense has been playing overall. Absolutely. You know, I think the first week of the season against the Los Angeles Rams, you had some big concerns about the back end of the defense, particularly the corners, Kendall Vildor and uh, Duke Shelley, who plays the slot for them. But they've really picked it up of late. Um, and, and by the way, it's Adam Stenovich, who's the Green Bay Packers offensive okay. line coach. Good name to know as a yeah. Packers fan yep. moving that, forward. He's killing it. Yeah, they've got a big test on their hands this week because, uh, you know, the, the Bengals have a very stout uh, defensive line. Um, you know, two big ends. And Trey Hendrickson and uh, Sam Hubbard, along with a huge nose tackle, DJ Reader. Uh, the Bears are going to present a different challenge. Uh, Khalil Mack is coming off a terrific game in his revenge game against the Raiders, which, I mean, talk about the irony of that ending up being John Gruden's last game, a game where Khalil Mack is racking up sacks on his backup right tackle and, you know, hit Carr on a two point conversion attempt at one point. I mean, Khalil Mack had a terrific game last week, and Robert Quinn across from him is having a really strong year. He looks quick, looks fast. So it's going to be a tough matchup for both. Both these tackles, uh, Billy Turner, you know, we'll see a lot of Khalil Mack. Josh Neiman, assuming he's the left tackle, we'll see a lot of Robert Quinn. The one thing that uh, could be the Packers uh, saving grace to some degree in this game, although I, th I think that they'll be able to handle it all right if he is available, but Akeem Hicks didn't play last week. Okay. And Akeem Hicks didn't practice today. So there's a good chance that Akeem Hicks won't be available again. And, of course, if you take out the best interior pass rusher from Chicago, that that's certainly going to hurt them. So oh, I think yeah. that, you know, we'll see, Um, you know, it, it's a similar challenge probably to the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive front in terms of the pass rush that they bring. Uh, so, but you know, this Packers line has, you know, arguably been a top 10 line despite all the uh, injuries. So I think that at this point you have to have confidence in the offense. You have to have confidence in the game plan and you have to have confidence in whatever the starting five that they trot out there uh, is going to be this week. So, uh, you know, I guess that, you know, to kind of wrap things up on, on the Packers Bears discussion, you know, you got the Packers going on the road. They're currently four and a half point favorites uh, against the Bears. The uh, last time I checked on DraftKings, uh, and you know, it's definitely a week that I feel comfortable playing the Packers and, and taking the four and a half. You know, to cover the four and a half points, I think that Green Bay is a significantly better team than, than Chicago at this point. To be honest, you know, Justin Fields is talented, but he's very young and he's playing on an offense that is significantly less talented than Green Bay's. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these division games playing in Soldier Field, you never want to assume anything. But as far as our schedule goes, like you said, having a depleted secondary, Jair Alexander out, Kevin King possibly out, seems like the timing will be would be good in regards to this matchup. Um, so, shit, obviously, you know, oldest rival rivalry in the NFL. Super excited for this one. Um, but shifting focus to the rest of the division, the Minnesota Vikings pulled one out against the Lions, and man. Motor City Dan Campbell. You feel, I mean, it seems like he's a guy, if nothing else, he is, his guys are playing super hard for him. You heard him in his post-game presser. Um, you know, pretty badass dude. Tearing up up there, you know, because his guys haven't been able to pull one out. And, you know, not like the uh, Lions fan base is shocked by this, but they've had some pretty brutal losses. And, uh, yeah, I mean, how uh, how are you feeling about the rest of the division in regards to those two teams? Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been in incredible if Minnesota would have lost this game. So, you know, I'm not sure if, how, how closely you followed this. But no, it, no, it, I did. This, I just it, heard about Dan Campbell so, so, and saw the score. So it was an exceptionally uh, odd 
end to the game. So, you know, for, first off, uh, Minnesota finally hit the boiling, hit the tipping point uh, at left tackle where, you know, Minnesota is bad at both guard positions and they've been bad at left tackle all season. And, um, you know, it's been Rashad Hill's performance at left tackle has consistently derailed the Minnesota offense. I mean, Miles Garrett, you know, just absolutely dominated him. Uh, he was continuing to struggle in this game against the Detroit Lions with uh, with Trey Flowers in particular and got yanked. So the rookie Christian Darisau, who had missed the early part of the season with injuries, in at left tackle for the Vikings now. He only played the end of the game. It's going to be interesting to see how he looks moving forward, though. You can certainly see the traits uh, as soon as you see the guy on the film that got him drafted in the, in the first round of the NFL draft this year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting because that offense, you know, Justin Jefferson had an absolutely dominant first half. I think he had 105 yards at, at going into halftime. Uh, and then they, they stalled out a little bit in the second half. But, you know, this Vikings team is clearly very talented. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Everson Griffin looks fantastic right now. He took apart Penny Sewell uh, twice on this two-play sequence where he beat him with kind of a, a bowl-to-pull move, and then he threw an inside spin move on the rookie. And, I mean, Griffin looks like he did a couple of years ago rather than the player who was really fading last year. Danell Hunter's playing great next to him. Um, and we'll get to what Eric Hendricks did. Eric Hendricks had an absurd interception in Jared Goff uh, where he was dropping underneath and Goff tried to throw a route behind him. And Kendricks went up and one-handed the ball with his right hand. It was just oh, wow. nasty. He's a great player. Yeah, I mean, and Patrick Peterson's playing well. So this is a, this Minnesota Vikings team is good. Now, in, in this game, what ends up happening is you know, you see the score at the end and you're like, oh, the Lions, that yeah, really in this and had a chance to win it. Well, it was 16 uh, to 6 with 3 minutes and 34 seconds left in the game. Minnesota gets the ball back. They only run 22 seconds off the clock in a situation where they could have ended the game. Proceed to leave a 49-yard field goal short. Miss that one. Uh, the Lions get the ball back. They get two good plays, one to a Mont St. Uh, Raw St. Brown, one, one to DeAndre Swift, stall out, kick the field goal to make it 16-9. They kick the ball back to Minnesota. Alexander Madison fumbles the ball on the 20-yard line on the uh. second carry. The Lions get the ball back. They score a touchdown. They throw a pass to St. Brown, and then DeAndre Swift scores. And then they, they, go, they go for two and manage to get the two, and all of a sudden the Lions have the lead in this game that it looked like the Vikings were going to run the clock out on with 339 oh left. Gosh, so now, now, now the Vikings are down by one. Kickoff goes back to them. Kirk Cousins goes Aaron Rodgers mode, to be honest, and hits two big-time dig routes to Adam Thielen for like 20, 24 yards. So, you know, it's an easy comparison to make Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota offense to uh, old Baker Mayfield over in the Cleveland offense. Big difference this weekend with the game on the line. Minnesota asked their guy to go make plays. Yeah. Cleveland would not let the Baker Mayfield throw the ball in any high leverage situation which is a totally different discussion but Cousins hits the two big passes and then they kick the field goal which is like a 59 yard or what was it uh I have this in my notes um yeah anyways uh yeah he hits it hits for from I believe over 50 and he hits the longer field goal after you know three minutes after leaving that one short that you know oh, allowed all this yeah. chaos to happen in the first place so Cousins gets to be the big hero the Lions have an absolute heartbreaker for a loss after it looked like everything had gone their way to hand them a win that it certainly didn't look like they were going to get this week so 
I don't know. The, I guess that, you know, when Dan Campbell talked about, you know, biting kneecaps and stuff like that, he left out the part where we were going to, you know, during training camp, drive up to the old Indian burial ground and, you know, piss on a bunch of, you know, <laughs> dig up a bunch of graves and piss on them because I, I just don't know how some of this stuff goes wrong for you. But you, you have to feel, you feel for them for some degree. You know, at the same time, Jared Goff is playing really poor football for them. He's consistently making bad decisions and putting the ball at risk. Um, you know, they, I think they're moving in the right direction. They're going to keep playing hard but you know this is a team that just has such an incredible lack of talent it's, it's going to be hard for them to do anything and it would have been uh, incredible for the Packers and the Bears both if they would have picked up this win over the Vikings because the Vikings as I say they have more than enough talent to be a competitive team to make the playoffs and perhaps make a little bit of noise in the playoffs this year but uh you know they, they need to start racking up wins and they need to get this uh, need to hope that Christian Darrisau is the answer at left tackle because if they don't get that position resolved then that is going to just continue to cripple this offense yeah well they better uh they better be ready for better have their game face on over the next several weeks I was just scoping out Minnesota's schedule and they're Going to Carolina, and obviously the Panthers don't have the same shine on them that they had a couple weeks ago, but still a solid team, good defense. And then they are against the Cowboys, then they're at Baltimore, then they're against the Chargers, and then they uh, we play them. So yeah. they've got a pretty rough five games coming up here, so... Uh, they're not going against the Lions, so they better be able not be uh, making the same kind of mistakes well, that they made, almost giving that game away. And, uh, and to I, Detroit. ironically, uh, in some of my content as the pre- professor over at Beer Life Sports, I do a survivor pool, and uh, Minnesota was one of my picks for the survivor pool last week. In part because of the schedule you just ran off, because yes, they don't play the Lions again until the end of that stretch where they play the Lions again. But uh, I, I was saying with the Vikings, yes, yeah, smoke them while you got them, because uh, there was not an easy survivor pick for them for a long stretch after this. So we'll see how they come out of it but uh yeah so the Packers will see uh you know if they can get this win over the Bears uh follow that up with a, with a home game against a Washington football team that has you know a defense that has struggled to live up to expectations and a backup quarterback um it, it's an opportunity for the Packers to open up a pretty big lead in the NFC North so we'll uh we'll see how it all goes this weekend but uh, in any case, I think that's everything for this week. Uh, you know, we will be back. Uh, we'll actually be recording on Tuesday next week uh, to recap this uh, matchup with the Chicago Bears and to talk about the upcoming matchup against the uh, Washington football team out there. Um, you know, any last thoughts, John? Go Pack Go! <laughs> Great last thoughts as always. So, thank you for listening, everyone. If you uh, like the podcast, please rate, review, or comment, and uh, check us out next week as we recap the uh, Bears game and talk about the matchup with Washington.